we're seeing now that some of those sweets that sweets I just said sweets. <laughs> those sweets. Some those, of... those sweet states. Check out my sweets. <laughs> some of those sweets that. This is an associates. We are not CEOs. We are associates. That's what we are. Hello and welcome to episode seven of And Associates. I'm one of your hosts, Preston Eberlin, along with. Your favorite host, Carson. <laughs> Classic Carson. <laughs> um, so, um, Carson, we will uh, start with our corrections per use. What Carson corrections do we have this week? You know I don't have any because you know I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny you say that because as I was prepping for this episode, I was like, I re-listen to each of the podcasts, like, after they come out, and I listen to this most recent one, and I, va- I like, vividly remember being like, ooh, I said that incorrect, and I was like, I should make note to, to have the correction ready, <laughs> and then guess what I didn't do? You didn't make a note of it. I didn't. I didn't. So, <laughs> there was something I got wrong, but I don't know what it was. So, if you caught it in the last episode, um, be sure to tweet at us. At, in, at, at, <laughs> tell, tell us how wrong we are. Yeah. What a natural sleuth you are. <laughs> Find our mistakes. I, we, we just leave that, like, little breadcrumbs of mistakes throughout our episodes, and we're like, see if you can find them. So, that was... Way, then you can tweet at us uh, at uh, associates underscore pod. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, just be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And I think with that, Carson, um, oh, do we want to talk a little bit about um, the reopening of schools, kind of the things that we've been hearing in this past week since since we talked last? Yeah, I think I want to say that um, I want to be careful about how much I talk about it or speculate about what's going on just because some people it's going to affect in like a really big way. So I want to be mindful of that and just let everyone know that I, I hear you and I see you and if you have frustration... Um, that's okay. If you're happy about it, that's okay. Whatever <laughs> emotions you're having, they're valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's that's great. Um, and with that, Carson, shall we go into the weekly wrangle? Yeah, let's do it. Would you like to play us in? <laughs> weekly wrangle. <laughs> Perfect. And this week on our weekly wrangle, we are going to talk about the Electoral College, Carson. (laughs) That was so nice and regal. Plays fancy British music. It's perfect. Um, So we're going to be talking about the Electoral College. There's been a lot of talk about the Electoral College in... um, well, basically since the 2016 election, especially among, I would say, our generation, just because this is the first time that we voted and the popular vote winner of the presidency did not actually win. Um, granted, that is not the first time that this happened. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we will be talking about the other times that that happened a little uh, later on here. But first, we just want to give some history about the Electoral College um, and just some structure of it. So, Carson, may I start with some questions posed to you? Yeah. Hit me. Perfect. Ready. So first, can you tell me how many members are comprise the Electoral College? I do you really want me to guess. <laughs> <laughs> A good couple hundred. Correct. Um, <laughs> and 
an easy way to remember is the name of one of our favorite podcasts, or I mean, I guess one of my favorite podcasts, Five Thirty Eight. Oh, okay. Which is where I will remember that now. Which is where they get their namesake. And do you know Carson? What the five hundred and thirty-eight members of the Electoral College represent, or like how that number came about? Um, is this like a chicken or the egg question? Like, <laughs> did they get it from five thirty-eight politics, or did they get it from the Electoral College? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. You've got it. You've got it. It is a chicken and egg question. Um, no. So, um, each state is allotted a certain number of electoral votes, and that is based on, um, the number of House of Representative members, so House seats, that they have, as well as their two Senate seats. So the fewest amount that you could have is three, because every state has two um, senators, and some states, because of their population, only have one House member. So three Electoral College uh, votes. Or you can be like Ohio, where we have um, 16 um, representatives, so we have 18 Electoral College votes. God, I really hope I got that right. <laughs> um, but If not, correct us. <laughs> yes, feel free to correct us. That might be a breadcrumb. <laughs> um, but Carson, you may be asking yourself, wait, there's 435 House of Representative, Representatives and 100 Senators. If I add those two together, that's only 535. Where do those other three come from? I know you've been asking that's, yourself that, right? That's exactly what I was thinking. The math doesn't add up. <laughs> Why isn't this math working? Well, Carson, it's because the District of Columbia, um, also known as Washington, D.C., um, <laughs> per the 23rd Amendment, gets a representative, uh, or not a representative, but gets uh, electors as well to the Electoral College. So there are three uh, Electoral College votes currently that come from the District of Columbia. So that is where we get our 538 electors, Carson. Ooh. Yes. You know, all I can think about right now is, like, District of Columbia is, like, the name that its mom yells when it's in <laughs> trouble. <laughs> it's like, District of Columbia, clean up your room. <laughs> Get down here right now. And the, and, but, like, when they're being good, it's just, like, Columbia. Like, oh, Columbia. <laughs> You're so kooky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carson. So now um, another quiz for you. So there are 48 states, including D.C., which are a winner-take-all system. So what that means is um, in that state, um, when you are having a, a presidential election, as long as someone gets a plurality, plurality ugh, words are so hard, plurality of the votes, so... Um, greater than the other person or the other people who are running, then they are allotted all of the electors. So it's a winner-take-all system. There are two states, however, that do it a little bit differently. So the way that these two states do it are two of the electors, or the two that stand in for the senators, if you will, are a winner-take-all system. Because it's kind of like, you know, the senators speak for the whole state, quote-unquote, or whatever. Um, so, like, their winner-take-all, the whole state votes for it, so these two go. But then the remaining electors are allocated based on a plurality of votes in each congressional district. So, Carson, there are two states. Can you name those two states? Um, <clears throat> Alabama and Alaska. <laughs> Did you just I'm name just those? Because going, <laughs> going alphabetically here. So if I say no, you're just gonna go to the Arkansas <laughs> and Arizona or whatever. <laughs> yes. They are Nebraska and Maine. So you, it would have taken a while to get there. But um, <laughs> if you look at like the tw 2008 election, um, and you looked uh, at the electoral college uh, map there with um, Obama, you'll see that. McCain had won um, Nebraska, but uh, Obama won, uh, I think it was like the Omaha district. So there's like a one little blue circle where uh, that electoral uh, vote 
was was counted for Barack Obama. So there's your fun facts for the day. <laughs> oh, Barack. 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 I miss him. <laughs> Oh, I really uh, do miss him. Yes. Um, I also completely forgot about John McCain. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Megan McCain would not be happy. She's the princess of Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, John McCain's funeral. Can we just talk about that for one hot second? Because um, there was the moment where uh, I believe it was... Um, yeah, it was when uh, <laughs> when Obama was giving uh, one of his eulogies, and he was just cracking jokes and stuff, and it was just it was such a lighter a lighter time. Oh, anyway, um, I digress. Sorry, uh, I was just remembering the fondness. John McCain, the Maverick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we used to be happy? <laughs> oh, oh, never forget. Um, Anyway, Carson, so next I want to talk about um, before 1804, also known as, um, I don't know, 1804, 1804, I don't... Also known as 1803. Yes, prior to that. The president and vice president were decided by, do you happen to remember how... Um, well, I'm not really sure what you're asking. Well, I guess maybe I kind of know what you're asking, but I want to pull Hamilton into the conversation. Good, good. And say that the, um, it was like the president was the person who got the most votes, and then the person who got the second most votes had to be the vice president, which I find hilarious. Can we we just imagine, like... Hillary Clinton as the vice president? Well, technically, she would be be president, and Trump would be VP. What? Uh, Well, not using the Electoral College, but you're, you're correct in terms of... Um, that's what I was asking. So yes, prior to 1808, no, 1804, um, the original process was the, uh, president was elected and then the vice president was the person that came in second place, (laughs) which, uh, so awkward. (laughs) Yeah, because they've always been catty and sassy, like, it's never been a very nice cordial race no and that's one of the things that i think a lot of people like they're like oh politics is so awful now like politics is so bad in the 1800 election like there was slander in the newspapers that if uh thomas jefferson were elected and i might be getting this wrong maybe it was john adams i don't know but it was one of them if they were being elected then your women would be raped in the streets like and th- well, they're not wrong. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020 and it's still happening. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> anyway, Carson, so back to 1804. <laughs> <laughs> that escalated so fast. So quickly. Um, but the 12th Amendment was passed that changed the original process, and so it allowed for separate ballots for determining the president and vice president. Um, and now it's basically just based on the party ticket and then the ticket. So you vote for your president and vice president kind of at the same time. Um, I think some states might keep it separate where you still vote for president and vice president, but for all all intents and purposes, um, they are uh, joined, conjoined now. So that way you don't have the awkward situation of Thomas Jefferson um, and Aaron Burr. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Burr, sir. Which I'm sure we will talk about later. So, Carson, any questions about the Electoral College structure before we start delving into the issues? Um, well, I don't think... Are we, are we going to talk about, like, who is the Electoral College? Like, who it consists of? Yes. Um, I wasn't planning on it, mainly because at this point... I mean, and with, like, the most recent Supreme Court ruling, it almost doesn't matter. 
Um, but it does kind of matter because, so, um, yeah, let's get into that. Because, so, one of the original um, reasons behind the Electoral College was, and we're going to quote some Hamilton here from his, <laughs> uh, from the Federalist Papers, number 68 to be um, precise. Uh, he talks about the sense of the people should uh, be a part of the process, but it would be taken as an uh, advisement by the Electoral College. The vote of the people is what they're talking about. Composed of men most capable of analyzing the qualities needed for supreme office, educated and discerning gentlemen who would meet under circumstances favorable to deliberation. So a lot of that was quotes and a lot of it was just making it flow a little bit better. But the main thing is that, so the idea that Hamilton is writing here is that the people are kind of dumb. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. He's like, the people, nice. the people can have a say in it. Like the people can um, say who they want, but it's ultimately going to be the electors um, deciding who to choose. Uh, and the reason behind that was because that these electors would take everything into account when deciding. Um, the issue with that is now when we come back, um, we have it where uh, anyone voting, basically any of the electors voting against what their state uh, voted for are known as faith faithless electors. So, Carson... There were a couple elections that had faithless electors, and these were people who did not cast ballots for uh, the individuals that their state had voted for. Um, and so this was in 1948, 1956, 1968, 1978, 1976, 1988, and there was a blank ballot cast <laughs> in 2000. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then in 2016, seven electors broke with their state on the presidential ballot, and six did so on the vice presidential ballot. Um, and so I think in, in, in thinking behind... It, the, the writing that Hamilton is talking about is basically the idea that um, these electors have the experience to know whether or not someone is qualified or um, astute enough to be or serve as the president. And I would, I mean, I think truly um, 2016 was one of the big uh, ways in which this idea kind of failed um <laughs> you can say that <laughs> granted um the issue the main issue is that we kind of well we didn't kind of we completely got rid of that idea behind the electors because of all the different pushes coming from from uh citizens who are like well let's just have it be the popular vote or why why would electors not vote for the way that their state voted? Because that idea has been used or only happened so rarely in American history that um, for a, a, a large enough number of, of these individuals who are um, all elected um, by, I believe, okay, I, I honestly, I don't know who, um, I, I know each state chooses their electors uh, separately, but who chooses them? I'm not 100% sure. Um, so that's an interesting thing that we can have a correction corner about. Unless you know, Carson. Um, I'm thinking... Uh, I'm thinking that it's like random appointments. I guess I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not sure exactly who chooses, though. But it's like a bunch of... like random people who yeah. make up the electoral college yeah um yeah okay so yeah electors are chosen and process defined by state law so every state chooses their electors by um uh a, a certain means so um every every state decides how to choose their own electors uh, so there's a, a bunch of different ways in which electors are chosen, but it seems like most of them choose them by um, party convention and 
Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, based off of whoever has topped the Billboard charts. So yeah. like Kanye West. Yes, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. So no Justin Bieber because that uh, he has not had a bopper in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, he's Canadian, so... Oh, yeah. Is he, has he not become an American citizen yet? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> well, he married... What's-her-face? Is she American? I honestly don't know who she, who he married. I know he became, like, super religious for a hot second. One of the Hadids. He's always been religious. Oh, my God, we're way off topic. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, real quick. So um, just a couple of things I want to hit on with the Electoral College. Um, So in terms of issues, there have been five times in U.S. history where the popular vote winner or there was, sorry, (laughs) where a candidate won the popular vote but lost the election. Carson, can you name those five cases? Go. I know that the last election was one, and there's been another one in our lifetime. I think it was a Bush election mm-hmm. um, versus Gore, Al Gore, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm only I'm only barely old enough to remember that one. <laughs> I remember talking about Al Gore on the playground. I remember being adamantly a supporter for George Bush because he's older, and older people are smarter. <laughs> And I was, that oh. That was it. That's all I knew. That's all. In I, second grade or first grade, I was like, he's an old man. He must be a great choice. Honestly, I think I was a George Bush supporter too in like first <laughs> or second grade. Um, I don't know why, like where I picked up that I didn't like Al Gore. Now I'm like, yeah, Al Gore, you're my dude. <laughs> <laughs> Save the environment, bro. <laughs> um the other ones were way before our lifetime. So 1824, Andrew Jackson uh, lost to John Quincy Adams. Uh, in 1876, Samuel Tilden lost to Rutherby Hayes. And 1888, Grover Cleveland lost to Benjamin Har- Harrison. And then, yep, the 20, 2000, the 2000 uh, uh, Al Gore versus George W. And then 2016, Clinton versus Donnie Don. Um, and so um, one other thing I want to talk about is uh, in terms of a contingent um, election. So this is where uh, an electoral college deadlocks and no candidate receives a mature majority of votes. Then the elector, the election of the president goes to the House of Representatives, and it's not each House member votes for um, whoever they want, so then there's 435 votes. Um, It's every state delegation casts one vote, um, and Mm. that's how it's determined. So, uh, like, the 16 Ohio members would have to choose who to to back. and so this has happened in uh, two elections. Can you name those two elections, Carson? One is from Hamilton. It's a song. Oh. Uh, well, Jefferson and... Wait, who was he? <laughs> who did he... In- he didn't endorse Burr, yeah, right? Yeah. And that was the problem? Yeah, so Hamilton Jefferson did. Jefferson yeah. versus Burr? Yeah, 1800. And then 1824 were decided by the house so it hasn't happened in our lifetime and god i hope it never does because that will be rough imagine the tweets (laughs) (laughs) the tweets oh that's that hurts yeah that hurts my brain um so one other thing i want to talk about real quick about the faithless electors so going back to that there was a recent supreme court case where if a state mandates that electors vote for the whoever the majority of individual or excuse me plurality plurality of individuals in that state tell them to cast for then they cannot become a faithless elector and they have to vote with the with their state so uh that was a recent supreme court case that just happened this week carson don't know if you caught it um but it's a fun one it was a seven to two decision with two liberals going over with the conservatives but bet you didn't see that happen drama Dra- drama 
Should there be a SCOTUS reality TV series? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but we play all the justices. Except for Clarence Thomas. <laughs> I was like, that gets problematic at some point. And Sonia Sotomayor. <laughs> and a lot of Gagan. But let's I would let's make a pull it we can pull in. I actually dressed up as Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> can I be Brett Kavanaugh and talk about how I love beer? Yeah, but you have to like wear one of those construction hats with a <laughs> funnel taped to it. <laughs> Uh, and, I'm, and I carry around my calendar from high school. <laughs> yes. Look, see the calendar. I was with PG and Squee. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the only other thing I want to talk about, Carson, with regards to the Electoral College is what other things could we do to choose our president? So one of the obvious answers, I think, um, is to just go with the popular vote. Just choose the, um, or let the popular vote of our nation decide who the uh, president is. Carson, your thoughts on the popular vote winner. Go. I think that's what people think democracy is or should look like. Mm -hmm. And we are more educated now than we ever have been. More people are getting high school diplomas. More people are going to college. More people are going to graduate school. And so I think that people have the capability to choose who they want to choose and not have someone choose for them. And I also think that now's a good time to bring up my idea for cell phone voting. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't have all of it worked out yet, but two things. If they... Remember when they accessed all of our phones? I think it was just iPhones, or maybe it was all of the phones, but they sent out, like, a test national security alert or whatever. Yes. (laughs) Okay, if they can do that, plus we have... Social security numbers, right? Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) I'm so worried about this. Why? Because Russia is already trying to hack our election. This isn't... That would not be hard for them to hack. All we gotta do is pull them in. (laughs) You just gotta... You just gotta bring... Listen, all you have to do is bring the people who are trying to hack it in. I tell you what, Putin, you can have a vote. (laughs) You can have one vote, though, not a million. Yes. <laughs> what if we did get food? <laughs> Honorary U.S. citizen. What sort of world is that? Oh, my gosh. This episode sponsored DJ, by Putin. If, if DJT hears this, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I should give Putin a vote. He should. He should. You know what? You know what our 51st state should be? Russia. <laughs> You know what? He's that would make DC really mad. <laughs> he uh, he won't hear this podcast though, and it's not because uh, we're great and we have great reviews and everybody's <laughs> listening to us. It's because it's not Fox News or Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but I tweet it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Carson, we do, we do have the popular vote. Um, and actually, uh, Congress had close had been close to amending the Electoral College, um, and uh, a pr- proposal came about um, in 1969 where uh, it would be direct popular vote of the presidents with a runoff if no candidate got more than 40% of the vote. Um, and this was approved by two-thirds of the House, but it failed in the Senate. Um and uh, the thing about that is uh, it would also allow for third-party candidates and other individuals, uh, independent candidates, to have a much higher likelihood of uh, being elected as well because of the runoff aspect. If, if no um, candidate got 40%, then it would be easier to, um, for them to, to get a national stage. 
And yeah. yeah. And then the last thing I want to talk about are is the parliamentary system. So like uh, in the UK, how they have a prime minister, um, which is basically just the party with the majority uh, in the parliament um, has an election. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be Mitch and Nancy. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Hillary Duff, this is what dreams are made of. It's this is what nightmares are made of. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so that's another option for presidency. I think the big thing to know about the Electoral College is it takes a lot more um, than just people tweeting to get this changed. It would it will take an amendment to our constitution. Um, to change the electoral college it's not as simple as getting uh, a vote but uh it is something to consider especially with the 2020 election coming up i mean i'm not i'm not gonna argue one way or the other for um one one way or the other but one one uh check towards the electoral college and one thing that you would learn in any intro to poli sci class is the electoral college gives the appearance of a mandate of the the winning person for the election because even uh like with the popular vote um it doesn't look like uh someone had won by that one much like even look at hillary clinton uh versus donald trump three thousand nope <laughs> she won by three thousand votes <laughs> three million votes um whereas uh when you look at like the 2008 election where President uh, Obama had beaten John McCain, uh, then Senator John McCain, and then Senator Barack Obama, where uh, he beat him, he beat him, I'm just going to play the pronoun game, Barack beat uh, John, (laughs) I'm using their first names now, Um, by 10 million votes. However, uh, which is a, a large sum to be sure, but in terms of the Electoral College vote, he won 365 to 173, which is um, qu- quite a thrashing and looks much larger than um, just the, excuse me, just the 10 million You votes. think 365 looks bigger than 10 million? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about math again? Okay, so, well, uh, 365 looks much bigger than than 173 as opposed to 52.9 percent of those voting looks to 45.7 percent see what i'm saying no i know what you're saying i was just being rude (laughs) (laughs) classic i think that the american people are they feel like their voices aren't being heard on, on any side of the spectrum, they feel like maybe voting is a waste of their time and like their vote doesn't count in big elections like presidential elections and that if they vote for someone and then the electoral college casts their vote differently, then it feels pointless or useless. And obviously, we just went through the whole explanation of how it works and why it's not that way. But that doesn't, I don't think that changes the general sentiment of how the people Mm -hmm. feel. And that I think that our politics should change. Yeah. And that is why you will often hear the phrase, um, local elections matter, uh, and off-year elections matter, because one of the reasons that um, state governments have been heavily controlled uh, by one party versus the other is because they put heavy uh, emphasis on those local elections. And so it's important to vote even in non-presidential years, everyone. 
this is our this is our advocacy <laughs> for being sure to vote sure, regardless. Sure. Yeah, go vote. Go vote. Please go vote. Check your get registered to vote if you're not registered to vote. Yes. And let your voice be heard. Mm-hmm. And then tweet at us and tell us how you feel like your voice isn't heard. <laughs> yeah. And then you can make a podcast like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make a podcast like us and talk about the Electoral College. Yeah. And, I mean, we're fortunate enough to live in a state that kind of matters, although Ohio is mattering less and less. But um, it sucks that every four years there's only a handful of states that quote-unquote matter because of the Electoral College, wherein uh, all the states really should matter. But some of those states um, that were reliably blue or reliably red um, are now not so much, and they are now toss-up states. Mm So um, who knows what's going to happen here, folks? So be sure to vote. With that, Carson, shall we go to the random walking and talking section? Let's do it. Perfect. Um, so, Carson, do you wanna do you wanna start? Do you wanna start with what you're listening to, talking to, talking about, uh, reading? I forget <laughs> the litany of things I'm supposed to add. Just t- <laughs> tell me some things. Go hit me. Okay. Let's see. Let me talk about. Do you want to talk about Hamilton? I know that we've been amped to watch it but we haven't actually reviewed it on the podcast yet sure let's do it all right so 10 out of 10 i absolutely loved it i thought it was amazing the things that i enjoyed um obviously the music but like i had already listened to it going into it so one thing I would recommend is listening to the soundtrack before mm-hmm. uh, you watch it, just so you have some context, and then watching it with closed captions. I watch everything with closed captions, but I've heard that the experience is better when you watch it with closed captions. I also thoroughly enjoyed the costumes. I thought that they were fantastic, mm-hmm. and I think what was really interesting to me a couple other things one was finally putting faces to all the voices that i had been listening to because like some of them i know obviously i knew lin-manuel miranda and that honestly might have been one of the only ones that i knew for sure but then putting faces to those voices Mm -hmm. is really fun and now that i listen to the soundtrack again after having seen it it's cool to like picture them again for sure. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting is I think that the set was very, maybe even purposefully, very basic. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It really didn't change that much, right? Correct. Did you notice the turntable? The turntable. So the stage was set on a turntable so that it would spin. Oh, okay. And so that... I think maybe... Wasn't it spinning in one of the numbers? It's spinning in all the numbers because... Oh. It gives the appearance of time moving since... So so um, one thing I would recommend reading or listening to, let's be real, again, I don't read, um, <laughs> is Hamilton, The Revolution. And it talks about the making of Hamilton. Uh, It's by Jeremy McCarter and Lin-Manuel Miranda. And it talks about, I mean, literally every aspect. It talks about every actor, how they got every actor to play every part. Um, And I listened to it back in 2016, even before um, I saw it. And so the turntable, it's one way to help symbolize time. And also, so like my favorite number um, is Satisfied, which is, um, Mm. yes, by Angelica Schuyler. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and you know how she rewinds time to tell the story um, of meeting yeah, Hamilton? Yeah, that was so cool. Yes, and so in that, they're reversing the turntable um, to reverse time and show what's going on. Um, but anyway, all the other numbers, it's going fast or slow, depending on how quickly they went to show the thing and like when the when the bullet is going towards uh hamilton spoiler alert he dies <laughs> <laughs> um 
this the turntable is spinning and i think it might have been hard to tell just because of the way that they shot it with the multiple cameras like i love the fact that there were multiple cameras i love the fact that there was i mean there were probably 20 i i'm guessing there were 20 cameras there was probably like three but they shot it from so many different angles that some of the movement was hard to see just based on because they wanted you to like be with the characters at some points but um yeah no you're you're completely right this set um was relatively simple um and the the way that they did the costumes where everything from uh the neck down was uh period appropriate but then everything from the head up was modern and you could do whatever you wanted um uh, the actors were basically given license to do whatever they wanted with uh their their heads and their hair um to just convey whatever they wanted uh in their character and in their own being uh whatever it was so um oh that's cool i didn't know that yeah i highly recommend uh this book it's and it's one of those books that like came out before the tonys as like a marketing tool because it was like hey Mm -hmm. this is why we should win all the tonys uh but also it like deserves it because it, it it's so amazing like i I think it's it's hard to um, overstate the importance of a musical like this in terms of just the musical theater sense, in terms of bringing new people into theater, into musical theater, um, but then also the, because, and, and the main reason I say that is because of the style, right? It's rap, hip-hop, R&B, um, done with musical theater songs as well, but uh, it brought a younger audience to come see it, and they brought high schoolers, I mean, when Broadway was open, um, high schoolers would get free tickets to come and see it in these, with, with their social studies classes, to come see the show. Um, and they, like, worked to make the high school version available quicker than it normally would have, so that way high schools could put it on, and that way um, they could have those, that history lesson and um, all these different things um, that, that they talk about. Uh, and one thing that Lynn talks about, um, Lynn, we're on a first name basis, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Lynn and I, um, but one thing he talks about is the fact that the show is basically 15 minutes longer than other normal Broadway shows, and everyone was telling him, maybe you should cut this, maybe you should cut this, and they were like, no, we can't, like, it is, it, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so they didn't, and I, I mean, I think everyone was, like, happy with the fact that they didn't. But that being said, there were also some numbers that, like, they did cut because they didn't want it to be three and a half hours long. Um, and one of those numbers, um, Carson, I don't know if you knew this, but so there are two cabinet ba- battles, rap battles, where the cabinet mm-hmm. members go after each other. There was supposed to be a third one. And the third one was supposed to be on the question of slavery, Oh. Yes. So, and they left that one out because it didn't really go with the flow of the show. And there, I mean, there are so many parts of the show that are historically uh, messed with because, like, Hamilton doesn't mm-hmm. actually meet um, the three people he meets with at the bar, uh, Lawrence Mulligan, um, Henry Lafayette, and um, the other one. <laughs> uh, in the bar, like, right away, like, some of those he meets like during the war but in order for them to meet and to like start the motion of the the show like they had to meet at that point and Mm -hmm. to put in another rap battle um that wasn't i mean i don't want to say it's not important because it's a very important topic um but in the context of the show and the the story being told um i i understand why it was left out I think it's a detriment to the show that it was left out in terms of um, all the positives that are going on in the show and that are happening with the show. And I think one thing we've seen in this past week with everyone watching it are the conversations about Hamilton. And and by Hamilton, I mean the person Hamilton and our founding father, f- fathers, our founding fathers, <laughs> our founding fathers, um, and their relationship with, with slaves and the way that they were treated. Um, 
and should we be glorifying uh, our, our founding fathers for for the 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 work that they did or didn't do to um, fight against slavery? Uh, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Rachel Cargill put out, she has like this, the great unlearn series where she gives information to people who subscribe to her. I think it's Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Patreon mm-hmm. account or whatever. And you just sort of pay what you can, like between five or fifteen dollars a month, and she'll send out something every so often for you to read and absorb and think about and look through. And this past weekend, what she sent out were was uh, some articles about Hamilton and how it was a national sensation and that's great i think it did really awesome things in the world of musical theater and bringing more people into that who might not traditionally be interested in musicals or broadway mm-hmm. and it and it tells an important story there there are some really important aspects to the story but they talk about sort of how it maybe was whitewashed and how there are some things that are sort of skipped over, like the issue of slavery. And like, I think what one of the articles was saying was that the Schuyler family owned, I don't know, like 20 something slaves Hmm. and Hamilton maybe didn't necessarily have a slave but did a lot as far as dealing with or coordinating the Schuyler family slaves and Mm -hmm. a lot of that was just sort of brushed under the rug so I think what's important is that she's challenging us to think critically about our history our nation's history Mm -hmm. and she's not necessarily bashing the musical or anything like that but just sort of saying like think think about it think about what you're sensationalizing think about what you're promoting think about think about things so that is what I was reading this weekend and I still have some more reading and thinking to do on that but I do still really enjoy that Disney Plus put Hamilton out for those of us who were not bougie enough to go see it in New York (laughs) or wherever you got to see it Columbus it came here um did it travel does do they travel with the original cast like the, no it's the broadway tour tight now oh yeah lynn and i are besties okay. it's fine <laughs> um <laughs> but no i i i i think i mean that that's so important um what rachel was writing about and what you enumerated um and i think also the important thing is like lynn understands that um because when when the criticism started to come out he he said i mean it's open for criticism like it it's it's not free of criticism by any means i mean you can't you can't make a historical piece and it not be open for criticism because there will be Mm -hmm. historical um inaccuracies and things that were purposefully left out or not purposefully left out um uh just to to tell the story and the the way that um the creator wanted it to be written and I mean that's one of the things with creative work is um you will you will create things that um are are telling a story and even if you are you have a historian on your books and everything it doesn't mean that you're going to get everything right and some of the decisions that you choose to make like leaving out that third rap battle or um leaving out uh the 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 other, the I guess, all, all the things that, I mean, 
Ham- Hamilton is not necessarily glorified. I mean, it does talk about his adultery um, in the in the <laughs> in the show. It's literally uh, a song, um, not a song. <laughs> Say no to this. <laughs> Say no to what? She didn't ask you a question. <laughs> um, but I, I think um, that's the beauty of of art is that. Uh, it begs us to to be critical, and uh, we can openly be critical with with works that we love, and we should be critical with works that we love. Um, yeah, so that's Hamilton. I, yeah, I think that the storytelling aspect that you brought up is important, and right now we're looking at the sort of the first and only viral story of Mm -hmm. alexander hamilton before that it's kind of like who right (laughs) and he's on my ten (laughs) dollars so right and so what's important then and this relates to a ted talk that i've watched uh is about storytelling and the narratives that we choose and how many stories there are Mm -hmm. so hopefully this sort of pushes more people to write stories about Hamilton and those other men, those less important people. Who? <laughs> Just kidding. Can we get someone on Eliza? <laughs> that way we have, we can piece together the information and have a more whole perspective and sort of get a more accurate picture of what was going on yeah so anyway the other thing that i'm watching is also on disney plus yeah and it is called free solo have you seen it no is that a climbing yes i thought it it was it's like the best climber in the world and he's like he's like by the way i'm going to climb el capitan in yosemite without any harnesses, no, ropes, no, no, carabiners. No. I'm just gonna do it with my hands no. and my feet. No, 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 no. And there aren't gonna be any people below me. No, no. nets, nothing. No, <laughs> it's wild. No. Honestly, I'm just like, I don't even know if I could do that completely hooked up to the safest and most gear in the world. Like, but it did inspire me to take up rock climbing so check back in in a month or so and see if i actually started it part of the problem is that i need someone it's not really a safe solo sport so i need someone to commit to going with me not me sorry you know i cannot do heights i cannot do heights I don't think I need you to do heights. I just need someone to make sure that I don't fall, or if I do fall, you'll call 911. <laughs> so, I don't think I've told you this, but uh, recently, when the sky has no clouds in it, and I look up, I I get dizzy. <laughs> because I'm, I feel like I'm falling, even though I'm not, because I'm just looking up and gravity is still working. <laughs> I think that's... You... Should you go see your PCP? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> she, Are you okay? She's like, um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, but anyway. You're chicken little. I... Do you think the sky is falling? <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I I will I will come watch you do it um, and catch you, I guess, if, if you want. I'll catch you. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start buying gear then. So, get ready. <laughs> We're going in a couple weeks. We're just gonna go to a mountainside. I'm gonna climb that. Uh, okay, I'll be right here. <laughs> that's the cool thing about Ohio is we can go somewhere that's like maybe twenty feet high. So it's really not that dangerous for me anyway. Twenty feet sounds so much. That's two stories. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that's a- Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, are you going to ask me or should I? <laughs> um, 
How are you? How's life? What have you been doing? I haven't talked to you in forever. I, know. <laughs> I don't even know. Are you are you alive? What's yeah. going on? This week at work has been pretty cray cray, you know. I've had a lot going on. Um, which is fine. Um, but one thing that didn't happen this last week was the Wimbledon final, which should have been happening this weekend. But it's fine. Oh. Yeah. Because again, uh, I've been listening to Tennis Relived um, on the Tennis Podcast. Um, and one thing I want to talk about is Venus Williams, so the older sister of Serena Williams. And I want to talk about her fight for equal pay uh, at Wimbledon. Because um, a lot of us know who Billie Jean King is. Um, the Yas Queen. <laughs> yes, the OG um, at... Uh, fighting for equality uh, of the sexes and that sort of thing. But Venus Williams reached the Wimbledon final in 2005 uh, against Lindsay Davenport. And this is one of the greatest women's finals of all time um, per almost any tennis commentator you talk about. But the day before the Wimbledon final, Venus Williams went into the board meeting at Wimbledon to speak to the board members about equal pay for the women. And one thing she did was she told them all to close their eyes, reach out their hands, and see if they could tell the gender of the person sitting beside them. And she basically was like, you can't, and there's no reason that the gender should be paid any less for playing the same sport. And so not that year, that year they still did not um, pay women equal and not the next year, but she did write a, a then f- a viral um, for 2006. I don't know why I keep doing that with the 2000, <laughs> 2006 uh, uh, op-ed where she talked about um, her fight for equal pay at Wimbledon. And then uh, finally... Uh, they did it, and she was the first woman um, to win Wimbledon and uh, when they were receiving equal pay to the men. So Venus Williams is a um, highly underrated, I think, uh, historical figure in um, the, the, the battle uh, of, mm-hmm. of uh, equality. But I also think a lot of that is due to the fact that she is currently living history and she is currently still an active tennis player. And so um, it's hard to have history when you're still present. So um, so, so she she won women get paid equally. Yeah. So she well, she was a big a big um, a big proponent of that. And yes, uh, as of I believe it's 2007 um, that um they finally made it so that uh women made the same as um as men and um oh well good for tennis at, i'm going to stop watching soccer sorry at, sorry and i should note that was at wimbledon at at the us open it was like 1973 or something where women were making the same i that's definitely a correction corner <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was even earlier than that but Venus Williams, her favorite Grand Slam is Wimbledon, and um, Wimbledon being the oldest of the Grand Slams and one of basically the most prestigious. She was like, "It's important that this be the one that's paying the same." Yeah, and that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons I love tennis is the fact that right now, I mean, in terms of um, equality, I mean, women's tennis is 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 almost almost. I say almost equal because there still is this this notion that people only want to watch men's tennis and uh, that's one reason men's tennis is on the Sunday and women's is on the Saturday. It's first and blah, blah, blah. But the equal pay thing is not something that uh, they have to deal with. And um, But yeah, so shout out to <laughs> Venus Williams. And also, I hate that I did not shout out um, uh, Oracine Price. Uh, sooner than this and so huge shout out to her she is the mother of venus and serena williams and she is not only the mother of venus and serena she is also the coach she is one of their coaches and i think she often is only talked about as their mother 
and not as one of their coaches. But she is the one that, I mean, yes, she's their mother, but she really helped raise these two um, strong women who uh, really fight on on the court and off that we see with, I mean, Venus and Serena constantly um, in terms of their determination and, and their grit and their ability to... to um, overcome even even when they're down uh in a match to to still come up and so shout out to her because really when you look at her record as a coach uh she is one of the most successful coaches uh uh out there on the tennis uh circuit because she coached two of the uh best players of all time uh Mm -hmm. so shout out to her um the only other thing I will uh, note in this section is that I did sign up for Imperfect Foods, and I'm excited for my first box to come. Um, Imperfect Foods, if you would like to sponsor us, this would be a great time to do it. Um, oh, yes. yeah. Um, but I'm excited um, to get produce delivered uh, to my door. And yeah. I'll let you know how it is. I'm excited. I want to, yeah, I want to know how it is because I really want to sign up for that. I've been meaning to for a while now and I just keep forgetting. Cool. Well, Carson, are we ready for yas, bitches? Yas! Okay. So, um, you want me to go first? I can go first. Yeah. Okay. Tell me your good things. Sure. So, um, I talked it over with my boss and I'm going to be taking some days off. Not this week. But next week, um, and like actual days off where like I don't turn on my computer, I don't check my phone. Um, well, I'll check like my phone for like personal connections, but not like work things. Um, <laughs> and so I am quite excited about just having some time to uh, rest because e- I mean, again, I think we talked about this in our last episode. I am so grateful to have a job. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to work from home. Uh, but there, there, I mean, kind of like we talked about in our mental health episode, like there are some um, things that come with that, with working from home that uh, I think were unforeseen consequences. Um, one of which is just the fact that like, because I work from home, that separation is hard to find. And um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have to work every single day of the week, uh, not full days by any means, but it, my job requires me to work every day. So um, not having a break, uh, even on the weekends, has been uh, kind of tiring. And so I'm excited just to um, have a couple days where I can just decompress, not do anything, uh, probably go on some long walks um, and just explore. Maybe I'll go climb a mountain. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Will you go rock climbing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I tell my boss, hey, I'm going rock climbing. If you don't hear from me in like three <laughs> days, can you like send someone? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's my. That sounds nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to just relax and um, chill for a couple of days. So, Carson, what about you? Tell me your good thing or bad thing, whatever thing. I actually just took a bit of time off from work, and it was really rejuvenating. I got to spend a lot of time outdoors, and that is my my safe space mm-hmm. and my meditative space and somewhere that I can... Just connect with nature and mm. let my mind process and really just go blank sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was really, really restorative and I appreciate so much that I did that for me. That's good. So thanks. Thanks, past Carson, for taking <laughs> care of present and future Carson. Crushed it. <laughs> oh and i'll i'll go ahead and highlight spotlight uh nonprofit this week yeah and so the worthington resource pantry is a place that i used to volunteer and i would pick up food for them from the library every week and take it to the pantry 
the, it was re always really cool that the library let people drop off donations there so you didn't have to find where the pantry was although it's pretty accessible it's just over on Huntley Road oh. in Worthington so yeah like fairly close to 161 I think and so anyway the Worthington Resource Pantry a lot of people think Worthington is an affluent area and it is kind of uh, but they're just in every community I think you'll always find people who for whatever reason are in need and specifically sometimes in need of food and so Worthington Resource Pantry is there to take care of uh, its neighbors mm. and I love food pantries for doing that and especially in a time right now when people are losing their jobs mm -hmm. and not working or getting their hours cut or you know whatever they have going on the fact the 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 pantry is still in operation right now they're doing i think drive by pickup oh. something but yeah so anyway worthington resource pantry check them out go volunteer or donate to them it's a good org awesome thank you carson and we will leave you with be sure to subscribe rate and review us on apple Podcasts. um you know we have some ratings we don't have any reviews if you need um <laughs> something to say you can just talk about how uh carson and preston are the funniest individuals you've ever heard in your life <laughs> and you love <laughs> um and i will leave you with be sure to wear a mask everyone um carson would you like to tell the people goodbye yeah, but I'll also say we have gotten personal reviews. But like friends have texted us mm -hmm. and said things about the podcast, which we super appreciate. Yes. So thank you guys for listening and letting us know what you think. Love you so much. And bye. Bye, everyone. Have a good week. <laughs>